the stars are shining bright in Texas. Experience all the action and cheer on your Lone Star hockey team live as the Dallas Stars battle for postseason positioning in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't miss a second of Texas hockey action. Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets today. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hey, everybody. Welcome to what will be known as a touch-and-go edition of the Podman Rush, presented by Truly. Fresh off the plane, after a beat-down of the beaten-down Chicago Blackhawks. Hawks now... They might have the most uh, world-class player absent, talent deficient team that the Stars have faced in 20 years. How about that for just a a statement? Not a slam. I don't mean it as as an angry slam. Just reality. Just reality. What do you think, my seatmate Mike Heike, after... <laughs> After watching that and then traveling back and lighting here, just like a a moth on a lamp for the day before we head out again. Uh, Two shots on goal in 18 minutes or whatever it was. And and, uh, somebody put up uh, one of those uh, shot, you know, warm areas, hot areas. There was a heat map. A heat map. Uh, they had a heat map. There wasn't a lot of heat on that heat map. It was a there cool, was nothing even no, close to the map. Stars' goal. Yes, it was. Yes. So great defense by the Stars. Well, true. Yeah. But it was. It really yeah, was. Yeah. But yeah. The the yeah. task level, <laughs> just like uh, in in skating and diving, uh, the uh, uh, level of uh, yeah. uh, difficulty was not yes. too hard. No. No, it, it it wasn't. And to their own uh admittance on their side, they didn't they didn't play well. So you start with a a real uh gutted roster and then you don't play well or don't play hard and don't skate and you have a little bit of that, and then you have a team on the other side in the stars that are uh locked in on on playing a complete team game after a, a real poor effort against the Canucks on home ice and and uh you got that first period, I guess. I mean, I was watching it at times. I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what you you certainly don't analyze this. There were two shots on goal. They were both scoring chances. They were great chances. Robertson was wide (laughs) open on the first one. Second one, Sagan. I've never, well, I'm not going to say I've never, but it it has been forever since I've seen a five on two, you know, a couple of Hawk players ran into one another at the goal line in the stars end, and then Johnny Hawkenpaw just rumbled his way up the ice with the puck. And it was essentially every star on the ice against two Hawks and their netminder. And Tyler just sort of took his time. And I think Mark Vittorio, our director said it almost looked like a men's league goal where it was just <laughs> lots of time. And a guy ultimately is like, all right, there's nobody to pass it. I guess I'll just shoot. And then it goes through stay and in, but I was thinking this too, um, and then we'll leave the hot game last night alone because it really doesn't deserve that much attention. But when you look at these teams, and obviously they're looking at 
at the NHL standings from the other direction. Like they they're looking at the bottom of the standings. That's how they read it. Cause they want to get the best chance to get the highest pick. And the highest pick is Connor Bedard, who's a generational talent. And they understand how that works. Cause they did it. Uh, you know, what would that be now? What was that? Uh, Oh, Oh eight. Yeah. When they probably, got King? Cause yeah. Well, uh, Kane and Taves, Taves is 33. Yeah. So whenever, you know, yeah. Jamie was drafted, probably the same year. You know, and they had to be disastrously bad in order to pick that high. And they're trying to do it again. And they're doing a fantastic job <laughs> of sucking right now. But the big thing that I, I took away was, like, they have, they have nobody. They, they have nobody. Like, when you look at the teams they're battling with, if you want to call it a battle, to the bottom, like, San Jose has Eric Carlson, who's having – one of the greatest offensive seasons for a defenseman we've seen in 30 years or so, maybe more. Uh, you know, he leads all NHL defensemen in scoring. And then you go to Columbus, and they're another one that's in the mix for this. And they, But they have Johnny Gaudreau, and they have Patrick Laine still in their lineup. You know, you look at the Hawks, there's just nobody. It was just a bunch of guys and... and uh, I guess Philly would be kind of close in that category too, where you look at them and you're like, well, who's their, who's their guy? They don't have a guy. It's just a bunch of guys. So anyway, anyway, enough of that. The central (laughs) focus, the the reason we bring up the the Hawks and last night is it's two points in the bank in this battle for supremacy in the central division. And it is essentially three teams fighting it out for the crown here now. And uh, there's some head-to-heads. There's a big one tonight as the other two teams, the Avalanche and the Wild, play each other. And as Stars fans, we sit around and all we can hope for, and I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek, people don't spaz out. You're, you're hoping for injuries and the game to be resolved in regulation. Is that right? <laughs> Is that how you look at it? I'll go for the regulation fan? part. Yeah. <laughs> I always want to play their best lineup, Daryl. Oh, do you? That's, that's just the way I'm wired. Okay. <laughs> well, from a, a Stars perspective, there's a they have the game against the Avalanche, second game of back-to-back at the end of this road trip uh, as we speak from home. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of winnable games on the docket over the final two weeks of the season on paper. And the games, of course, get played on the gelid surface of frozen fluid. Uh, but when you look at, I don't even know what to think of the Nashville Predators when we get them at home here. Like they're going to go to Arizona, and the Coyotes play hard in in that freakishly small building out there. It's no given, but the Stars are obviously a more talented and better team than them. Then you have that second game of a back to back in Mile Higher, a toughie, but maybe it'll drag the best out of them again because it is the Avalanche. Uh, then they get they get Nashville, who are actually better since they peddled all their players. Uh, I looked at their lineup last night, Mike, before the game in Chicago, and I was like, that's their top line? And then you look throughout their lineup, and you're like, wow, that, that thing has been gutted. And they have some injuries. Yeah. And then after that, they have the Flyers here, and they're going to play hard for Tortorella, but they again, they're talent deficient. You have the Golden Knights at home. You know, that's a big boy match. Go to Detroit and take on the Wings, and they're going to play hard at home. And they're, you know, they're 
they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're a team that is better than what they have been and going in the right direction. And they can beat a lot of good teams. And then they have the home and home with the St. Louis Blues. And again, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. And if and you know the carrot in front of them is going to be messing up the stars' prospects of perhaps winning the division at that point. So uh, there, there's a lot is going to go on in these next couple of weeks, and I think it's fantastic. I don't know about you, but I I love the fact that that these are meaningful games. Uh, they're comfortably meaningful. You know what I mean? Rather than no, it's a great way to put rather it. Rather than looking at the final two weeks and it's like, man, if they go in a little bit of a tailspin, they might not even make the playoffs. And there there have been too many years like that. And this year, it's more okay. Are they going to win the division or not? And if they don't, it's going to be uh, just a phenomenal opening round of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs again. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, like what Winnipeg has right now, that's what the Stars have had for yeah. a decade. Well, where it's, it's not, every game you got not to that extent though. Where they, well, what have they won? Like one of their last twenty five games or something? I don't. It's more than that, but uh, it's not much. Yeah, not much. They're currently struggling, but they're two points up, and so uh, a good friend of ours, Rick Bonus, said, "Well, I guess we're going to find out what we're made of." And so, yeah, I don't think you know, they're made of much. I like. The Flames might catch him. Yeah. Hell, Nashville might catch him, which would be shocking. Yes. Unbelievable. Uh, it's but just point being is the Stars... Yeah, make your point, okay. Mike, please. Well, you, I'm just repeating yours. They're in a place where they know they're making the playoffs, but they also need to play good hockey. Mm. And these, these are good, challenging teams that, you know... Each one has their own, you know, little issue. It's just like last night. Um, you know, there were moments when they got sucked into a real loosey-goosey game, and they can't do that. They, you know, it, the Dallas Stars, I when? thought. Last, last night? night against Chicago. Mike, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, th- I thought they were playing some pretty sloppy hockey at times. Uh, I, well, look, your opinion's valid, Right. You've watched lots I of hockey. I guess a little bit. I do watch lots of hockey. It wasn't a pretty game. I guess I'm. That's the point I'm the, making. The game. The game was geeky at times, but I didn't. I didn't find the stars overly sloppy. I just felt it kind of lackadaisical at times. Yeah, and didn't have they, a whole lot of energy. Yeah, the, I mean, the building didn't have energy. The game didn't have a lot of crunch to it, and. It, at times it just felt like they were not so much sloppy, but, but just kind of half interested playing with their food. It's to me, it was like when you, as a kid, you got ordered to eat your Brussels sprouts. And if you did that, then you get dessert or something like that. But you didn't exactly just wolf down the Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Like you just sort of moved them around the plate with your fork for a little bit, and maybe you pinched your nose so you didn't really taste them as they were going down. But you kind of just you managed to eat all, maybe enough to pass it by. If you were like me and I was a real little dirtbag of a kid, I would hide them under the lip of my plate until until the dessert came out. And then when the plates got cleaned... I'd already had my dessert, and then the evidence was there. And, of course, I got in trouble, but I had my ice cream down my gullet by then. That's a long way of saying that the uh, 
the stars did what they needed to do. I think you wrote that about last night's game. I, I think that's I a, did actually. I think that's a better way of looking at it. They 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 did. A, we were saying in the third period, and then Jake and his shutout bid ended. But if you just looked at it after the game, if you didn't watch any of it, and you just looked at it, oh my God, what a fantastic effort by yeah. the Stars. They scored shorthanded. They scored on the power play. They scored a couple of other goals. They shut them out. They only allowed 18 shots. Man, that's taking care of business right there, isn't it? Yep. And, but if you're watching it go on, and uh, more food analogies, a little bit yes. like sausage. You know, if you like the sausage, you like the sausage. You know, but but you probably aren't going to like the sausage as much if you had to stand there and watch what they put into the tubes in order to concoct the sausage. Right? That's a wonderful analogy. My God, I'm strong today. Strong to very strong. Anyway, <laughs> the Stars are trying to win their second division title in 17 years. The last one in 2016, uh, so not that long ago. No. Uh, and they lost in seven to Hitch's St. Louis Blues that year. And if people remember, they they had a just a brilliant regular season. And then Tyler got hurt late. And you, you remember, like Tyler Sagan was a 33-goal second-leading scorer on the team and didn't play in the playoffs. Right. That stings. Like, you, you lose those significant guys in it, especially when teams are close to one another and it can be a tipping point. Anyway, they lose on home ice in seven. Uh, here's, here's one little nugget. They had 12 guys. They had a dozen players with 10 or more goals on that team. That it was a, it was a depth thing. The, the depth conversation is a good one and comparable because the current stars have 10 guys right now with at least 10 goals. And they're, might end up with with uh, two, three more uh, in that category. So they'll be right there, uh, comparable to that that crew that won the division back in 2016. How about that? Those are numbers. Yeah, they are. You want to you want to hit heavier numbers? Sure. Okay. What what would you say here right now? With what do we have? Eight games left. Yep. Uh, what is the most positive stat that you can ferret out from the big packs that we get from the league? And what would be the harbinger stat for the stars right now? I'll let you go first if you okay. want to do well, it. Or you can just, well, thank you. again, you can just echo what I say like you well, did earlier. Let me, so let me go first. And All right. <laughs> I'll try and uh, establish a, a bar that you will crush. Yeah, go pee on a tree, Mike. Go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with the uh, scoring first uh, in a game 45 times. Hmm. That's third best in the league. They are third best in first period scoring with 78 goals in the first period. Uh, they have established a style of play where they're playing with the lead. And in the NHL, statistically speaking, analytically speaking, you win a lot of games that way. Um, and, and even in the playoffs, I think. Uh, if they can continue <laughs> that where you score first and you lead after one period, uh, it leads to a lot of wins. So that's so, my good stat. So you've got, you're, you're pushing all your, all your chips to the middle of the uh, one period games that the NHL is going to go to come playoff time. Is that what you're dealing yeah, with? That's what I'm doing. They're just going to play 20 minutes and whoever yes. wins that, that's perfect. 
Well, thank they, you. They, would, they, they would win the cup for sure if we just did one period games. One period. And plus, wouldn't the fans love that? No, get they in, wouldn't out. love it. <laughs> no. My God. Although you could be snarky and say that the league would love that because they, would. they can't wait to get the games over with. They, they love right. talking about how quickly our games are off the air nowadays. Uh, and, what would be your other one? So I pull back since I was so small and focused on that one. You were I'm myopically pulling, <laughs> focused with that first period. I'm pulling back uh, to the uh, satellite for this. Hmm. Uh, I'm very uh, uh, wary of their fact that they basically are a different team every single month. Uh, if you go down their goals for goals against, it's just, I mean, it's Jackson Pollock painting of just whipping stuff against the the uh, wall or the the canvas. Uh, here's here's an example of the most recent. So in February they were 30th in goal scoring with 2.22 goals per game. Right now they're second in March at 4.29. <laughs> they were 2.78 goals per game goals against per game in in February. They're 3.29 right now, 15th in the league. So the the number to me that's really bad right now is the they're just giving up way too many goals in the month of March, and they have to tidy that up before they get to the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about that. They seem like they're they're trending a little bit in that uh, direction, but uh, you're. I think I think you're you're thinking more of a maybe the toilet seat effect or the windshield wiper effect. Yeah, uh, I called it whack a mole in one of my columns. Where they they just I bet you that was really well received. Uh, whack a mole. Every time something popped up, they hammered it. Is that what you're saying? Yep. They don't know. They don't know who they are. They're just trying to hit whatever uh, mole pops out of the out of the ground. Wow, you're full of hot sports opinions oh, today. Listen, listen to you. Did you get too enough spicy. sleep? Too crispy. Yeah, a little crispy. Well, my positive. They have a plus fifty goal differential, which is best in the Western Conference. And when you contrast that to where they were last season, so they're plus fifty this year. They were minus eight last season and made the playoffs. Yeah, the only team. They had, they had a negative goal differential. That's how close to the margins they were uh, between wins and losses. So if you look back, uh, the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche were plus 78 last season in goal differential. Second only to, can you guess, in the Western Conference? In the Western Conference? Uh, the Blues. No, the Dallas Stars opening round rival Calgary Flames. Oh, that's right. They Remember? had a great year. They were plus yeah. 85. Wow. Uh, so, you, you know, you look at those, and obviously the, the Flames were a f- fantastic team, been semi-blown up this year. The Avalanche were just a machine all year. And then if you, if you look at the best goal differential in the league last year, and this one really annihilates my theory <laughs> – because you don't want you don't want to be this one. You want to be the Avalanche. You, right. You you'd be sort of okay with being Calgary. You know they they got through the Stars, then they got drilled by their uh, Alberta rivals, the Oilers, right after that. But the Florida Panthers were plus ninety four. Yeah. They had the best goal differential in the NHL last year, and they went nowhere come playoff time. So. Uh, I, I just think, I think that category is a good category though. I think it, it states what your best teams are 
at the end of the day, at the end of 82 games. So the Stars have certainly trended in a wonderful direction. And a big part of that is games like last night. They've won. When they win, man, they they win by three or more goals. And yep. they, they just stack uh, pluses into that goal differential in quick fashion. My harbinger of possible things to come. I, like you, went to first periods. <laughs> <laughs> so after, you. after all that diatribe, huh? <laughs> uh, so, and, and mine is, mine is, I, look, I was just kind of searching, but the Stars record when they trail after the first period is just 210 and five. Yes. Now there's a positive in there with the negative. The fact that they've only trailed in 17 games after one period is something else. Yes. Uh, but the fact that they've only won twice in those 17 games is one of those things where you look at it and you're like, man, these these games, as much as this has been a season about about uh, lead changes and, and teams coming back and wild offense and all that, uh, that first 20 minutes, still 40 minutes of hockey to come, but that first 20 minutes, if if the Stars are trailing after one, uh, it hasn't looked very good. They haven't rallied, which is a, just a weird kind of number, I guess. It would look a lot different, I guess, if they won their overtime games, but we've beaten that into the ground this year. Yeah. And then the other one that and I've I've mentioned this many times, and again, it it your finger goes straight to overtime with this. Um, it might be your middle finger. It may be your pointer <laughs> finger. I'm not sure which finger it is. But the Stars have won 18 and they've lost 19 home games. Yes. And that I I know like the overtime come playoff time is going to be a different animal cuz you play 5 on 5 and I I think that's why everybody's a little more bullish about the prospects of the Stars uh, especially at home and if games do move past 60 minutes. But but it's just been such a weird season at home with the, I mean the 19 losses are regulation and overtime and shootout and what have you. But, I mean, they finished with more goals than the other side 18 times, and the other side has finished with more goals than them 19 times. Yeah. Weird. Weird, it weird, is. weird. Uh, one of the things that that uh, you and I were spitballing a little bit the other day, and I think it was because uh, Pekka Rene's statue was unveiled in Nashville – uh, where do we stand on, on statues in general? I, I prefer them to be absolutely, uh, exclusive. Like you, you need to have really done, I'm not talking about political statues or any of these no. other things that are going on just outside sporting venues with, with, uh, iconic athletes and that I, I, I prefer them to be very exclusive and, I don't want a statue garden. Maybe people do. I, I just, I find that it just gets diffused too much when you have that. You're, you're like, well, does everyone get a ribbon and a statue here or what's the deal? I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I do think we need a Mike Madonna statue to balance out the Dirk statue. And and then uh, I think we'll oh, be geez, fine. You for went straight to that. A good long I was, time. I was yeah. trying to look around the league a little bit, Mike. Oh, a bigger picture. Well, no, it's just in general. Yeah. No, but uh, go I'm ahead. with you. No, no I'm with you too because no, no, we have so ahead. many You're other not with ways. Me. You're not with me at all. 
You want a different... That was going to be my payoff at the end, Mike. I always jump. See, this you is why were, we should talk these things out. You're but you too always eager. want surprises. You always want surprises in the podcast. I want reveals want? is what I want, Mike, not surprises. <laughs> anyway. Well, so league-wide... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like... We I don't know. I'm with you. You better, you better be uh, a big, notable uh, character to have a statue outside an arena. Who... Which which one has the most? Is it St. Louis or is it L.A.? I think. Well, L.A. has it because of so many different sports. Um, like, and, and they and they do have some iconic statues out there. I know, uh, but St. Louis is the one that strikes me as a little overdone. Yeah, and the Hall one doesn't even look like Holly. <laughs> it's like, like they're, a, like, they're like the bobbleheads. It is a little bit like that, but there there's a lot. There's a lot of them out there. Who who are they for? Are they for fans? Are they for the organization? They're for the city? What do um, we do with these statues Ultimately, for? I think we're doing them for the fans. Um, and then I think you, it's like hanging banners. I mean, the more banners you got, the more prestigious you look as an organization. So yeah, you yeah, got to earn go, banners, Mike. I know. Well, let's, let's not go too far with that. <laughs> We've seen some banners that are easily earned. Do you know, some C, C plus banners. Well, when you have the, yeah, the season that you join the league banner and all that. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the ones that come to mind that have done it well, like, probably because we were just in Chicago last night, but I mean, they've had some pretty good hockey players in Chicago through the years, yes. along with some very good basketball players. Oh yeah. Uh, and you look outside the United center and I believe the only they have, uh, uh, is it Bobby Hall and Stan Makita? That's uh, it. I think so. that's right. Yeah. And then Jordan. Yep. And that's it. Like there's that's, no, uh... there's no Tony Esposito. There's, there's, there's just those two. And yep. then there's and then there's the other one, uh, the Jordan guy who apparently yep. did some things on the basketball court there. Uh, Edmonton's done it well, I believe it's only Gretz, isn't it? It's all they got. And my, it's all they need. My man, uh, my friend here, Brad Oldham, did that statue. Uh, I bet you people don't realize that, but he was the one that put that. He does great work, phenomenal traveling man. In uh, Deep Ellum, there's stuff all over the place. He's yeah. You he's, were telling me about some of the he's sculptures fantastic. he's put together. He yeah. they are fantastic. Uh, the Winnipeg just revealed the Dale Howarchuk one, which is excellent, a tr tremendous statue, uh, and how they did it and where it's positioned and all that. Uh, and there, I'm. I mean, there are others too. I just get a kick every time I walk across that. LA Live, I think it's called outside what used to be Staples is now or currently crypto. Yep. Uh, it's there's just Chick Hearn has one and uh there's uh does does Jonathan Quick have one out there <laughs> too? Yet. And not yet. Are you sure? Well, and, I'll next time I'll look. Uh, uh it is it is Dustin Brown has one. Uh <laughs> Let's not Gretzky's outside there. There's uh, there's Lakers. There, like it's a, it's just a field of them. Yeah. And Anytime you see a sculpture of a desk, you, you could think that maybe they've gone a little too far. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. Hey, look, it it's it's not for us. You know, maybe what what teams should do 
going forward is they should just be NFTs. Ooh. <laughs> huh? Look at you. Instead of bronze sculptures, they just issue an NFT of a bronze sculpture that can live in the digital world rather than living on the plaza. You know, there's a, a company, Cloud Yachts, that are offering a tokenized super yacht that you can purchase nowadays. So just think. And you, just, you just wear a mask around and you're living on your yacht. Just think, if you did a tokenized statue of an iconic player, you could actually purchase that thing. You can't purchase the... No. The... Uh, you know, not bricks and mortar, I guess bronze and stone uh, issue of it. You can't do that. You can go visit it. You can get pictures with it, that kind of thing. But you can't own it. But you could own this NFT. I think I may have started a whole new industry here. Which brings us, though, to to American Airlines Center and, and Dirk. Dirk Nowitzki's one was done very well. It, I was... I was concerned at first when I saw it unveiled and that, that Dirk was going to fall over backwards and, and hurt <laughs> his back even more. Cause he, it, it's the, again, I'm using iconic too much, but it's the iconic step back one foot, you know, fade away. yes. Uh, and, but he's really fading away in that one. <laughs> he's almost yes, he laid is. out, uh, but it has a little stylization to it. I think the same, probably the same, Sculptor that did the ones in Chicago did that one. Yes. Looks similar. I'm not sure. Yeah. It looks does similar. Look and yeah, I mean, to your uh, point, when you jump the gun completely at the beginning. I'm so sorry. False start. Uh, if you're going to balance out the corridor to the uh, arena, then you'd look for the other major tenant there being the Dallas Stars. And and you, you would want to put up. Uh, the iconic player on that side of things. So, Luddy. <laughs> Luddy deserves a statue. Yeah. It should be just uh, the shin took, pads up there on right. the other side. You use the word iconic. I think, you know, Mike is the perfect pose with the jersey flapping uh, to have that, you know, when, you, when you'd see him, you'd go, oh, that's Mike Madonna. Like, you, you could be, you know, 30 feet away and you would know it was Mike Madonna because the jersey on the statue will be flapping Metaphorically mm. speaking. Because it's unbalanced right now, Mike. Yeah, it is. You know? It, asymmetric entry into there. And, uh, it, I mean, there's that choice, or it could be me. I, you know, I, <laughs> I'll offer myself up if I have to. You know, a little bit. So hum so humble, yeah. sacrificing well, for the organization. A little bit like uh, the Olympics in L.A. Remember they had to do some sculptures of a couple athletes for the entry there. Um, I mean, if they want me to go tarp off, I'll do that for them, whatever they need. And uh, I think it'd be a beautiful, uh, reasonable facsimile of the razor boy. Right I want there. a recreation of Wouldn't Michelangelo's David. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> well, speaking of Mike, uh, he would certainly fit in perhaps an unbreakable stars record category. You know, the records have been falling this season with this crew, which is awesome. Uh, and Mike Madonna's Dallas Stars record for points is going to fall. Robertson's going to pick up enough points here 
you would think, over the final yeah. eight games of the season to at least eclipse that, if not break it. Uh, his goal scoring has tapered. Uh, he's apparently he's only going to score big ones now, not lots of them, just large ones, momentous <laughs> right. ones. Key key goals. <laughs> yeah, forty and forty one were pretty pretty large when we were in in Calgary. Uh, and it's it is a weird thing with him. Like I was looking the other day, he scored twenty three goals in the first twenty five games of the season. Yes, that that was back. We were like he might score seventy. He was on a seventy five goal pace. Uh, but if it's since then, he's he's scored and no shame in it, but he scored at about a thirty goal pace since yep. then. And uh, in the end, he's a forty goal scorer and still has a shot if he goes nuts at fifty here, which was what Mike did that first year in Dallas. And uh, and the other one, you know, so Robertson, good chance breaks Madonna's points record as a Dallas star. Miro Haskinen just broke Craig Hartsburg's franchise record point streak for a defenseman when he went a dozen straight with it. So some of these marks are, are falling. But I was thinking, okay, what are the some of the records within the organization that will never fall? And have you ever thought about that? I have not until you gave me the assignment. And I was uh, just amazed at some of these that will never fall. Like most of them are penalty minute and goaltender driven for me. Correct. Yes. Uh, because I, a lot of the other ones you look at and you're like, man, you got a guy like Jason Robertson now, and you look at some of those those goal and and point numbers, and you're going to have others coming in here, and depending on on uh, tenure, I can see a bunch of them wilting away. J- a different different time in in hockey and in the league. And with the team than it was before, but yeah, I mean, there's potential there. The one I'll start with one. You know, a lot of people have made a big deal out of how much Jake has started this season. Started his 55th last night, I think it was. Yep. Uh, so, the, I mean, the record is 74. <laughs> Turco. That's just and amazing. I just, I'll be honest with you. I don't see a goaltender breaking that. I don't see a goalie playing 75 games. Do you know what the what two. the number two uh, on the franchise list is uh, for goalie games played? Goal, yeah, goalie games played in a season. No, what is it? Seventy three. Marty, Marty Turco. Turco. Yeah, <laughs> just like he just played every game for a yep. couple of years there. Yep, roaming all over the place and playing phenomenal. Though I, yeah. I honest to God, I don't, I don't see it. I, no, I, I, I don't really either. don't. They with the load management version of that with with goaltending nowadays, I just, I just can't see it. Cause I mean, this feels like they wanted to keep Jake somewhere under 60 this year, under 60, not under 65, like 65 is a big number now. And that's, you're talking 10 games fewer than than what the record is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll give you one that's associated or close to it in 55 games in 2002, um, Marty had a 1.72 goals against average. Yeah, 1. I mean 1.72. Yeah, and he played the final game, remember? Yeah, yeah, cuz yeah, he he's he going to break the record. And, yeah. Yeah. But I I think that's I think that's still breakable though. I I still think mm. somebody depending on on what rules are in place in that I, something like that is 
is maybe doable because times change. Obviously, right now it's not. We're no. we're in we're moving into the golden age of goal scoring once again. Apparently, um, the other goaltending one was uh, the oldest player. That'll never be. Ah, uh, yeah, no. Gump Worsley was almost forty-five in April of nineteen seventy-four. Yeah, forty-five. Like, could you see Joe screaming around no. for six more years? No. No, I can't either. I don't think that. We were not going to see anybody 46 playing. It's not going to happen. No. It won't. What else you got? Uh, Basil McRae. Yeah. 382 <laughs> penalty minutes. Yeah. Uh, the current leader on the Stars is uh, Mason Marchant with 80. Yeah. You just need 300 few, more. Few, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the game's changed, and it's never going to uh, deviate back no. to those days. The, yeah. and then, uh, in that same vein, on a team standard, the most combined penalties in a game was 406 against Boston back in 1981. Yep. Uh, man, I, I think there was something like 80, 80, 82, 84 penalties called in the game. <laughs> Think of the administrators back then, the officials, and then the guys who had to write everything down. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a well, lot of work. Yeah, they just stood back and with a notepad and took yeah. everybody down. So, yeah. Any any other ones that you ferreted out? Uh, just the Bobby Smith one. I think people need to have it as, as a, a makeable mark. It's 114 points uh, in 1981-82. And, I mean, I think that's a target that that, you know, Jason Robertson needs to shoot for at some point in time. Yeah, I, it, that's breakable. I mean, yeah. when you look at a guy like Connor McDavid, at he's gonna is he at one fifty yet? Is at one forty? Yeah, one forty for sure. Yeah, I yeah, I I just I, I and I think you're right, Mike. I think that that should be a a goal or a carrot stuck out there. Smash those old '80s records. Yeah, bring it into the 2020s. <laughs> so, um, uh, speaking of, of goaltenders and, and penalty minutes, man, Staylock lost his marbles in game last <laughs> night, huh? He did just a little bit. I can't remember the last time I saw a goalie just like lose it like that where he wouldn't give it up. No. And you do wonder what word choices he used. Oh, I can think of, <laughs> I can think of plenty that he was using. Cause he was at it for a good five, eight, 10 minutes on the guy. That that's the mic'd up version of, our game I want to hear <laughs> between him and whoever that ref was. Yeah. And you don't, you don't know whether the ref took it and took it and took it. And there was a breaking point or if the verbal violence from Staylock just escalated so much to a point where it was like, no, you can't say that to me. You can't call yeah. me one of those. And that was the end of his night. Plus he grabbed a white towel from the bench when and gave basically the I surrender yeah. <laughs> that, the, uh, that, that gets coaches kicked out and suspended. <laughs> so you're going to be toast. But it got me thinking about uh, complaining to officials and or lobbying officials, whatever you want to call it. But the biggest ref uh, beef guys in Dallas Stars history. I, I don't even know that we had anybody that that would that I can remember that would just be that selfish that they, they would just, you know, take unsportsmanlike conduct penalties and get themselves kicked out. But we did have an era of 
a lot of bitching at referees. Yes. And I, I think like Brendan Morrow and I love him and he would, he was a mild version of Luca back in the day and that he played so hard. And then when stuff happened that was cheap, he would, I, how many times did you see him in on like just working his soul off on the four check hammering in there after guys and that, and then some guy would stick him or punch him in the head or get tripped up in the corner or something. And then as he's making his way back up the ice, that head, you could see the head snap. And then he's just giving it to the ref on his way back up the ice. And they, for the most part, the refs would, would just take it. It was like a, yeah, a profane the respect. It was a profane exchange between yes. stripes and, and the captain of the team at the time. Yep. But that too was probably just a byproduct of an out of control bench at times. Yes. <laughs> with, with Dave Tippett and his staff that used to ride referees mercilessly. Yeah. Yeah. My little error was the uh, very small window of, uh, uh, Avery and, uh, Steve Ott. And, uh, they were, uh, petulant little children for what was it? 30 games or whatever. Cause some of those, the one in Boston was such a mess and you know, they got they got what was coming to him a lot of nights. Yeah, but I don't I don't remember Otter. I I don't I don't even discuss the other guy. But well, he got pulled in by the other guy. I, I don't think, remember like Otter griping that much at refs. Most of most of his crap being doled out was to the other team individuals yeah. on the other team. Yeah, he was probably it, it doing that to the other team. I, I think a lot of times he wanted to be buddies with the refs because he needed, and certainly the linesman, because he needed their help just yep. to stay alive because he was being attacked <laughs> so much from what he did on the ice. He was usually outweighed in most of his fights. But, like, it's been debated so much around here on on uh, radio and that about Luka Doncic's uh, technical habit that he has, which is just wild, isn't it? Yes. Like I, I don't remember anybody. I don't remember anybody that would get nailed with that many uh, unsportsmanlike conduct or bench minors or anything like that. Maybe, maybe the refs just had a thicker skin and could handle more of it and not tee a guy up. We can't tee a guy up in hockey, but that's our version of it is unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct and either a 10 minute misconduct or a two minute minor. Uh, but I don't remember anybody to that level. But but I also can't remember the last time I saw a goaltender basically just get himself kicked out of the game. Yeah. Like, he he thought there should have been a penalty on Luke Landenning. I don't know what Luke was supposed to do. He's he, I don't think he ever touched the crease. He's no. cutting in front, tips the puck into the back of the net. Stalock was charging out of his net all night, and it was it was paying off for him. He made some big stops on... Jason Robertson and others by challenging, you know, shooters. I couldn't understand why the stars didn't just drop a shoulder, take two more strides and bury it into empty nets a few times. Yeah. But he, he paid a severe price uh, and had a large chunk of his handsome knocked off of him <laughs> by trying to stand his ground in front of the crease. And Luke who was flying and goes hard in there uh, just, uh, just about decapitated. We got him right in the jaw. Yeah. And made him mad, but you got to get over it at some point. You didn't get the call, whatever. But he he wasn't giving that one up. It made for wonderful television, Mike. We love that. 
We needed that last night. We needed some violent television to pour over. So it it made the game a little more exciting. All right. So what do we got here? What are you excited about in the next week here? We've got uh, Arizona. We get to see the new uh, dressing room for the stars out there. (laughs) That is. That will be the end of March. March, which you know was named for whom? Uh, I was told by a, a reader that this is a Roman god, not a Greek god. Oh, really? Mars, Mars? is a Mars is a Roman god. Same thing. And some somebody else, the Greek god of war. It's the same thing. Okay, you're right. Whatever. It's all antiquities. They're gods. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, hey, those of us in the god world know, like, we all are pooled in the same there's a, thing. Yeah, there's a certain respect among gods. Yeah, there is with us. <laughs> You're right. That's why we have statues. That's right. Uh, the big one against the Avs to start off. Yes. Uh, April. April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Huh? I don't know I'm who gonna, came up with it. The the April Fool's Central Affair in Mile High Air. Next. Huh? On the WWE. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I know what that means. <laughs> That's uncalled for. Uh, look, we we should probably go then if you're going to be that way. The Yotes, I'm not. I, I love it. No, shush. The Yotes await, and then we have that showdown, what, 5,280 5, feet? Is that what that sign says? Something. When you walk in. Ball Arena? Indeed. Which is a mason jar that your mom used to have in the, in the basement. See, look canning. at this stuff that we're passing <laughs> along today. Canning You're vegetables. wondering why it's called Ball Arena. It's not because of a ball manufacturer of some sort or anything else nefarious. It's not because of LaMelo ball. No, they didn't get named after the ball family because they couldn't get their sneaker deal done. It's named after what, Mike? Mason. A Mason jar. Yes. Uh, They're good for uh, drinking out of, too. Look at you, booze hound. All right. Uh, We'll be back to wrap up the Central Affair in Mile High Air. Uh, and, uh, Mike, anything else? That's all I got. I don't think no Columbo today. There's no Columbo. Uh, uh, one more thing. No, there isn't. All right. Uh, good, good fun. Still, still looking forward to seeing what kind of milestones the boys can hit the other one. And we'll, we will, uh, get deep into this one. I think next week is Joe Pavelski who has really refound his scoring touch. How about that? Huh? Yeah, when eighteen eighteen games without scoring, longest he'd ever gone in his career. It's like ah, maybe you know things are faded, and maybe Joe's not going to be able. And bang, scored in eight of the last twelve games, <laughs> and and huge mammoth tallies too. You know, six on five Be- and, and, power yeah, and beautiful too. Oh yeah, yeah. But he's closing in on a thousand points in his career, and that is I, I mock some of these other milestones. These oh my god it's his it's his thirtieth uh, goal and and he's in his eighth season in the NHL but he's hit thirty it ends in an O so let let's celebrate him or two hundredth game played oh wow we used to get excited about four hundred I understood that one because it mean it meant you were vested in the uh, in the program you got your pension program your pension yeah but 
now it's just anytime it's a round number, you get they stop the game and hand out a some form of award for it. I but think they I th- make a statue most for most of them. <sighs> Way to bring it back to that. But but with with uh, Joe, thousand points is a biggie. Yes. Yeah, biggie. Not very many Americans have hit the thousand point level, but uh, we'll report that after we hit the 5,000 foot level out there. See how I brought that back again oh. to the central affair in mile high air. And, uh, and uh, I'd like to pass this along before we uh, toddle off again, Mike, remember, remember, cause we're heading into uh, master's season here. Mm-hmm. Always concede the fourth part. <laughs> that's why that's good advice. Hello friends and goodbye. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. It's over. Want to stay up to date on what's happening with your favorite team? Now you can by signing up to become a Dallas Stars insider. The bed and a shot stop, Sagan rebound, score! Get the scoop on the latest team news, exclusive ticket pre-sales, contests, and much more. Delivered right to your inbox. Ran himself right into oh, it. Oh, scored! How in the world? Subscribe today and start getting yours at DallasStars.com slash insider.